0: folks. On this episode, we speak with Nick Addison, an Ethereum contributor, consultant, and developer at mStable. Nick tells us about the work he's doing to develop a standard for Ethereum tokenized vault contracts, which will otherwise be known as ERC 4626. We discuss the process for writing open source code, how communities come to develop standards, and the impact that a vault standard such as this can have as a modular building block for open source finance. I hope you enjoy the show. Please note that this podcast does not constitute financial product advice. You should consider obtaining independent advice from a financial advisor before making any financial decisions. Nick, thanks so much for joining me on today's show. I'd love for you to tell me and, and the audience you know, a little bit about your background and I guess how you came to be writing software for Ethereum.
1: Uh, thanks for having me on, Jonathan. Um, well, I first sort of came to the attention of um, Bitcoin back in 2013 um, and I wasn't a uh, cypherpunk, you know, hanging out on their their mailing lists. Um, I sort of noticed the, uh, I was working at the investment bank at the time and um, noticed the price volatility. So I started riding trading bots uh, initially against, um, well, local and overseas. In fact, there wasn't many local exchanges back in Australia back then. Um, I'm from Sydney, by the way. So that's how I sort of first got into it, but then sort of went in and out of sort of traditional roles um, and sort of blockchain roles. As you know, you were you were back in those early days as mm-hmm. well. It wasn't wasn't the easiest time for uh, you know doing consulting or those type of things back then. Um, so yeah, it wasn't until yeah probably you know, I started I started consensus in 2018, doing various things before that, but that was sort of probably my first full time gig, I guess in in blockchain. And then, yeah, more recently, um, so started last year, uh, mm. twenty twenty one. I started working at M Stable on a de- decentralized finance, so sort of you know full time, uh, you know mainnet contracts.
0: Okay, cool. Yeah, I agree. It was it's a very different time. All those years ago, that I guess that the the environment's changed a lot, but also the amount of stuff that's you know I, I guess been been built. Before we get into this most recent bit of work, that I'd love for you to you know, tell tell listeners about, it'd be great for you to just tell me a little bit about those kind of challenges, you know, that you found when it came to, I guess, making the case for blockchain uh, early on.
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, the early days, uh, it's tend to be payments. And I actually come from a payments background, actually, uh, like a traditional payments background. So I guess that was probably one of the things which sort of maybe attracted me into it. Um, mm. But I think payments is probably less of a use case these days. You know, you know, the you know the big Bitcoin and you could send money overseas, you know, compared to uh you know tr- traditional wire transfers overseas, yes, it was quicker, but you know, you've seen uh you know in, in in Australia it's got immediate payments and a lot of countries now have immediate payments. So you know you can transfer it from one bank account to someone else's bank account and it's literally within a you know within a second it pops up in their bank account. Um, so you know the the uh, blockchains, whether it's Bitcoin or Ethereum, uh, even even some of the faster ones will struggle with that speed. Mm. Um, so I think that those, that early sort of case of uh, payments will will change. It um, hasn't really sort of come to fruition. But I I got into uh, the concept of programmable money uh, for quite a while and being able to put conditions mm. on money and constraints on on money in terms of you know you could put put things on around you know you know, who could you pay or, you know, it might be, it might be a department about you've got a certain allowance. Um, and in some ways we're seeing that. Uh, so for example, part of my pay is streamed. So mm. uh, I get a certain amount of tokens, um, you know, at every second, it's, you know, a little bit more gets uh, unvested if you like. Um, so I guess that's sort of like an example mm. of where you can sort of stream payments to people.
0: Yeah, that's fascinating. I think the yeah the the use case in terms of how you build products that have money or value at their core is certainly the one that's persisted over time, right? And and I guess that's that's probably a good you know segue into talking about what you're working on at the moment. Um, so it's the ERC four six two six tokenized vault standard, uh, which is you know it's on the Ethereum.org website. It'd be great if you could firstly. Give us a super high level overview as to what that is but i think what would be really interesting is to understand you know how ethereum goes about up you know updating or creating new features on its network because it's decentralized right there's no one owner of this uh and i think you know you, you know you're obviously deeply involved in you know what that means and, and i think a lot of our listeners would be fascinated to hear about you know what that process is like in general
1: sure uh, so, yeah, EIP or the Ethereum Improvement Protocol uh, process, sorry, um, 4626 is a standard for vault, so tokenized vault standard. Now, a vault is a bit like a fund, like a traditional fund. It takes, takes uh, an asset, um, a blockchain asset, uh, or more specifically a, a token, and it can invest it in different strategies. So this standard is really just about how you can uh, take in an asset. So that's uh, deposit or mint. Um, and uh, and, if it was a phone, you'd call it a redeem, but here it's a a withdraw or or redeem those assets back out. So it just creates a standard way of using this. Now, there's lots of, in the Ethereum ecosystem, um, there's plenty of vaults, probably uh, Yearns, probably the the more commonly known vaults, but um, M-Stable has a savings product, which is effectively a vault. Um, So we take US dollar tokens, uh, and invest it in uh, lending protocols, so the Arve and Compound is, is the ones we use. But then mm-hmm. we also generate yield on that through other mechanisms. So we have like an automated market maker, so we can swap uh, between the tokens, which also generates yield. So the four six two six is really just a standard way of in, in, investing an asset uh, in, into a, a strategy effectively. Mm-hmm. Um, so so the M stable we started. It started with trying to come up with a so the MUSD, so it's it was another stable coin. It was sort of a stable coin built on stable coins is how it started. And then they started building products on top of that to sort of you know increase adoption. And the savings products is probably the thing which really sort of um got market fit. So, you know, you deposit uh, your US dollar token in and we generate a yield. Now the yields were much higher last year when the lending protocols were you know fairly hot, you know, sort of 30% range, the, you know, markets have come down, the, the, the lending markets have come down a lot to now, so it's, you know, definitely single digit now. But, yeah, so then we, so when we're sort of looking around, well, what are we going to do next? We, and we saw this tokenized standard, we're basically progressing that further and saying, okay, um, we can make our existing savings product uh, compliant to the vaults, which we, we did quite a few months ago, but we're also building new vaults with new strategies and focusing on, yeah, using this new standard, but also using that standard so you can have vaults of vaults. So you can have a vault which invests in, once you have the standard, you can start using it as like Lego bricks, you know, building blocks, you can start building products on top of products. So that's where it gets particularly um, interesting. And I guess that, you know, the power of that sort of, uh, you know, the, the blockchain use case of being able to build on top of things.
0: Yeah, this kind of um, yeah, the modular, the, the modular factor is pretty cool. Well, okay, okay, just just quickly though, what you know, be, people can go out there and write smart contracts, you know, themselves, and that's kind of what you guys are doing. So, you know, just to wheel it back for for people who aren't super, um, you know, across standards, what, why why a token standard for this? Does is it a limiting factor? Um, uh, you know, does this. You know, what is the benefit for the end user of using a token standard over just, say, a contract that a, that a third party might write using Ethereum?
1: I think there's, there's a couple of things. So one is the user interface and and just, you know, third parties being able to measure this. Um, so with with different, you know, pe- people who are implementing their contracts in different ways, it sort of gets hard to measure, well, what is the true yield? You know, you sort of having to trust, you know, the provider on their their website. So if you put a standard together and you've got a standard way of, of measuring you know the total assets um the total amount of shares uh you can you can um start having standard ways of measuring this and so that effectively you can end up with you know sites which can can review um i was trying to think of this you know it's almost like a this the standard sort of becomes like a um uh, well not quite a reporting standard but you, you can have third parties effectively it becomes much easier for for people to to look. Um, you know, if you could take it back to the funds world, there's various third parties um, where you can you can measure the returns on funds and, and see their performance. So having a standard can definitely help with that. Um, and then, as I yeah, mentioned before, you can you can start building on, on top of these things. So because it's much easier for someone else to integrate with us now that we have we have the standard as opposed to before where, you know, everything's different and you're just having to spend a lot of time. In fact, a lot of my time is really spent, Integrating to third-party protocols, mm. um, uh, you know, they all they all do it differently. So you learn how to do it. But if there's a standard way of doing that, then it becomes much quicker and faster.
0: Yeah. So the efficiency gain's huge. I guess you know nothing. Nothing more. Um, I guess illustrative than than the ERC twenty, uh, you know, standard, which you know I, I guess w- was the basis of a huge amount of the explosive growth we saw in 2017 and 18. Was was the ERC, ERC twenty standard and that and that i guess was the first and the kind of the first use case on ethereum like when you, you used to visit the ethereum website <laughs> back before it was even live that was the you know spin up a token was the you know was the example so i get i guess i can i could fully understand why having a standardization around around vaults if people are creating yield-based strategies and these kinds of products uh willy-nilly on the platform having a, a standardized way to do it will, will possibly create you know an explosion in in really interesting use cases there yeah definitely okay so i guess let's just talk then about what the process is like at a higher level to get you know an erp up and then you know to turn it into an erc so um you know how how does that work did you guys just approach ethereum did you put something up into a forum you know how does it get worked on how does it get ticked off like what is that process
1: yeah so i was not involved in the initial creating the EIP. so we sort of came late in the piece like there's lots of Um, Ethereum uh, improvements being put up all the time. Uh, Yeah, so I sort of got revolved in the sort of the reviewing stage. Um, So it's sort of been drafted up. So um, I did a number of, uh, we wouldn't call it modifications, you know, um, know, suggested changes, which got put in. And even now having worked with it on for a a while, (laughs) um, probably clarify some of the uh, text a little bit more. So it's really just trying to come up with, you know, make it very clear about what, what it needs to do um, so you'll have in the language in them it'll be things like it must do this or it should do this you know uh, it, it you know it must revert on these failures or these conditions uh, or you know it uh, you know must return these type of things so it's really tr- coming with a serious, clear set of guidelines what you know a standard effectively on on how uh, the um, in this case here the vault should should work um so then it yeah it goes through a review phase and then you know eventually gets finalized so this particular um erp is being finalized um and then yeah you've got a mix of people around the world building various things on it including including us um and there's still discussions so there's various forums i'm in mean, where we you know four, six, two, six forums, exciting stuff, you know, where we're discussing, you know, different, different, different ideas or, you know, people's challenges and, you know, well, how did you solve this?
0: Uh, yeah, cool. And then, okay, so, so I guess the final kind of go live for this, what's the expected date if, uh, and are there any other kind of hoops or, or, or kind of reviews that need to be undertaken? Are they, are they public? Are they private?
1: Yeah, so we're, we've been working on this all, all year, uh, and I actually deployed my first vault just before this call, actually. So, but yeah, maybe give you a bit of an idea about the the, the lead up to that. Yeah, you know, we we come up with a particular strategy. So I, I you know, I'm, I'm the one sort of uh, and and the the contracts we we writing the contracts and de- building it. So there's developing it is sort of probably well, I was going to say the, the easy part. Um, that the the tricky part is being able to test it and then make sure it's secure. So. Um, in this particular case, we've broken the, the code up into smaller bits so we can uh, what we call unit test those so we can effectively get coverage and in an it's It's close to 100% code coverage on, on the tests. So we're testing you know lines of code and making sure it works on its smaller breakdown of its components. Uh, but then you've got to assemble all these things together so you'll have different what we call capabilities capabilities. Um, so you can, you can pull together. So, for example, um, you could charge a fee. and You can have different types of fees. You could have a transaction fee or a performance fee. The underlying might have different rewards. So mm. um, you know, in Ethereum, you'd call that farming rewards or, or what we call liquidating. So you might be um, collecting these rewards, swapping for something else. So that might be other components you bring together. So you pull these things together in, in, and, and sort of put it into a set of tests of these components together. So it's like component testing, where I guess challenging is testing the other protocols so mm. um, yeah testing third party protocols can be tricky so you think they work in a particular way uh, and you can mock them out and I've done this in the past but when you actually you know go to use them uh, you know they don't work quite as you were expecting so the best way there is to do something called a fork so if they're in mainnet you can you can effectively take from the latest block or a block from a month ago. Um, you can run on your your local machine um, as if the the network uh, or the blockchain was continuing uh, on your local machine from that particular point, so that way you can test against uh, other protocols so curve or convex is the one we happen to use, but it can be any any protocol uh, and that way you' sort of um, got much more realistic um, uh, testing against you know how it actually works because you're testing against their actual contracts with the state. Uh, at that particular particular time, yeah, then once you've done all that testing we get third party auditors come in, so we'd get security audits and that's you know that's a big big piece, and probably a, you know a chat for another day maybe about security um, <laughs> um, but yeah, then you know once once you've sort of got it all ready you're ready ready for launch
0: yeah okay yeah I think security is you know audits is definitely it, its own beast, and I don't, yeah, we don't need to delve into that, but that was a really great. I guess insight and overview as to you know that kind of inception to to deployment and, um, you know, I guess one quick question before we go on to you know what's next. But um, how do you guys think this will be taken up? Do you do you, are you already is there already a kind of like um, you know a couple of different uh, players out there? You know, working with you on. On 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 making use of these, how does that how does that kind of seeding of the other than you know yeah. uh, a web page on the Ethereum .org site, other than, uh, other than that, how else does this kind of get broadcast out and do you kind of attract adoption of it? Uh,
1: yeah, so what we're building now, so so we're, we're not um, the Ethereum Improvement Protocol, so. Is is a different thing. So this product we're building here won't be on Ethereum.org, but, yeah, it'll be on our website. Although initially it's a a closed beta, so we're deploying these Mm. contracts. We'll we'll test them uh, with some funds. Um, They're not, uh, you know, they won't be available on our website initially. Then after a few weeks we'll open it up um, so we can. And then, you know, uh, after a bit longer we'll sort of, you know, do more publicizing it once we're sort of happy with, um, we, you know, we're going to go through a number of cycles of these uh, investing in the assets. It's got you know, a, sort of a cycle underneath it, so we'll just make sure everything's working. It's interesting in the past we have yeah. put um, caps on it. So b- in, built into the contract, put like a ceiling on how many funds could come in, and it sort of went up over time and it was actually on a curve. So you can sort of see people coming in as soon as uh, more availability of investing the asset, um, but we're not – doing that this time we're sort of doing it uh Hmm. yeah a little bit differently for this one
0: fascinating okay cool Uh, i guess look final final thought is i guess what's what's next for you you know you've been working on this you know this particular project and, and and this particular and especially when it comes to the you know improvement um the vault uh, standard. So, so what's next then on, on, on the horizon for you guys?
1: Uh, yeah. So we've got some more different trading strategies we want to implement, uh, using different protocols or even the same protocols, but different assets. So, you know, we're doing a US dollar one first, but we will do like an ether one, but then we're also keen on, so initially this is on mainnet. We're looking at, uh, using some layer two solutions, um, and yeah particularly well for me personally i'm, I'm interested in being able to mm. to use these vaults across like cross chain so like a cross-chain uh, vault so you can invest an asset on on one chain if you like Well, i say chain i mean blockchain or one layer uh but then the assets could be moved across into a, into another chain i think is something which should be quite exciting
0: yeah that's a that's a fascinating prospect i i actually I'd love to talk to you about that later on. Maybe once you've, once you've got there, that, that'd be a ripe area for, 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 a chat. So yeah, great place to leave it. Nick, thanks so much for your time today. Thanks for sharing that, that with us and a really fascinating, uh, yeah, conversation. Um, if they, if people want to learn more about this, where should they go?
1: mstable.org, uh, is probably the best spot.
0: Okay, great. We'll see. We'll, we'll chuck some links in the, in the show notes and also include the, uh, the four six two six info in there as well, so people we can have a look at the standard and people can start, you know, building with those Lego blocks. Th- thanks again, and have a have a great day. Thanks, thanks, Jonathan. Thanks everyone for joining me on this show and for tuning in. Make sure you subscribe and review on your podcast platform of choice, and we'll make sure we take you right to the edge of the crypto frontier. And remember, you can learn more about all things crypto by visiting kraken.com/learn. Until next time, I've been Jonathan Miller. And this has been the Crypto Frontier.